Hello and welcome to Casting Nets Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Will Harley, and I'm here with Pastor Dave Rudot, who has assured me today that uh, he is not going to say very much. And and I have figured it out. Here's what we have to do to make this happen on this podcast is we have to pick a topic that, that he does not disagree with and that he has no real formal thoughts, uh, thoughts about, and then he'll say nothing. Um, we've gone pretty much with, with a lot of topics that he has picked and, and had a lot to say, but I picked the topic today, and uh, he said, I don't disagree with it. And so there's nothing really there to, to, to say. So we'll let him have his opportunity to say one thing right now. Hello. I'm glad to be here. And uh, he, uh, Will Harley is provoking the bear, basically, is what he's trying to do today, uh, dear dear listeners. Uh, it's great to have you with us with this, uh, a podcast on Two pastors talking about real life and living faith. And so you're getting a real conversation between two pastors. Nothing here is planned or organized or th- well thought out even. It's just two of us talking off the top of our heads about issues that are important to us. And uh, if, I, if, if I don't have much to say, well, then I just don't have much to say. Or Will Harley will just think of that as a challenge and say, well, how can I get Pastor Rudot to say something? What can I, what provocative thing can I say? So he has to respond so that we have some lively conversation today. We are glad that you're with us, dear listener, and uh, recognize that you're listening to just two pastors and a conversation that we're having together. um, And we're letting you in on this conversation. So you are free uh, to contact us at castingnetspod.com dot at gmail.com so castingnetspod at gmail.com talk to us directly or uh, contact us on facebook there's a facebook page for casting nets as well and you are free uh dear dear listener to go and listen to something else uh you're live free You know, I have found out that one of the greatest things about having a conversation with you, Dave, is the fact that most of my time conversing, uh, conversing with you is unscripted. Um, <clears throat> if you if you would ever have a, an opportunity to see the studio, which is just my office with a nice little computer and, and sounding board, he comes really prepared. He has his fancy notebook and a nice fancy binder, and he's got printed materials, and he's got a pen in his hand, and he is just writing notes down. And then there's me, and I have a cup of coffee or tea sitting in front of me, maybe a book if I decide to go and reference it because I remember something. And um, and that's pretty much it. Now, I'm not saying it's because I'm smarter, because that's not the truth. It's just... Um, the way that I think is I, I kind of just continue to ramble and all of my, my thoughts kind of fall into the, the squares. You know, when we were kids, you used to have those boxes uh, that you had to put like, you know, you put the circle peg in the circle hole. Well, 
unfortunately, it I, it takes a little bit for that all to fall into place, and and so that's what happens during the conversation. So we welcome uh, uh, you to join into this conversation because this particular conversation is is one that I kind of find near and dear to my heart. Um, not because all the rest of the conversations aren't near and dear into my heart; they they really are. But but it is something that I think is the core of the call of of a pastor, and and that is to to have catechetical teaching. And I, it seems like a really big word, but it's teaching the catechism, teaching confirmation. And the, the, this is going to be actually the beginning of a extended discussion on confirmation since in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be approaching, um, confirmation and we'll be telling you some stories of the good, the bad, and the ugly of our confirmation histories and, and classes we've had. We're going to have, uh, confirmation practices and rites and things that we we incorporate into confirmation. But I thought this would be a really good introduction into what is the reason for catechetical instruction and how is it really, and in many ways, a vital to the lifeblood of, of the congregation. Now, if you have been a member of my congregations, um, you, you hear me repeat over and over and over and over and over and over until you're almost like um, you want to puke about it. Um, that Holy Communion is the lifeblood of a congregation. And I stand by that. Um, the, the, the sacrament uh, of Holy Communion, um, the sacrament, I would even say the sacrament of baptism, the sacraments themselves, the means of grace, um, are the lifeblood of a congregation. But if, if they are the lifeblood of the congregation, I would, I would maybe say that the catechism are the veins in which it pumps. Could, you, could we maybe say that? That, that the catechism is the vein in which that lifeblood uh, is, is pumped into the congregation. Um, how do we understand these wonderful gifts of grace? How do we, how do we understand our approach to the Lord as we're brought in faith? Um, how do we understand the ways in which the, the Holy Spirit is working? Um, we have this wonderful synopsis, this wonderful um, um, framework that is uh, from the work of of people who have have done much of the heavy lifting for us and have have combed the scriptures and said, okay, I can make this statement, and then here is its defense for you, so that you can be assured of this truth. Right. Uh, it is a, a misnomer that uh, the catechism that we are using is somehow an extra book. That the Bible is one book that we're using, and the catechism is like an extra book, like it's the Book of Mormon, our version of the Book of Mormon. I've I've had. Uh, kids come into confirmation class asking, why are we using the blue book when we have the Bible? And uh, it's just, a, it's a way of categorizing all of the teachings of the Bible. How do we know, what what do we know about the Holy Spirit, for example? Uh, what do we know about Jesus? Uh, the It's all there in the Bible. You can find it, but it's all over the place. It's scattered all over the place. But the catechism puts it into uh, uh, categories and says, okay, in this section of the catechism, I'm going to read about the Holy Spirit. In this section of the catechism, I'm going to read about Jesus. Uh, so it is a, a summary, an organization of the Bible's contents there for us to easily access, no matter whether we are in sixth or in eighth grade or whether we are an adult. Well, I've been told that I have, I have, I am, I baffle people with my brilliance in big words. And so I'm going to baffle you with some big words. Um, and, and this is from Latin. Um, and, and when we approach the scriptures and we approach things like the catechism or, or um, we would say the confessions of the Lutheran Church, we would say there's the difference between the norma normans and the norma normata, right? Now, now we're going to test, we're going to test here uh, Pastor Rudat's um, 
Latin knowledge of Norma Normans and Norma Normata? Uh, it's not the ruling standard or the ruled standard. So the ruling standard is the Bible, and the ruled standard would be the the confessions, including the catechism. Absolutely. So in Latin, Norma Normans, the norm by which all normal comes, is that is really what the, the, the Latin would have said? Norma Normans. If it's spoken English, yes. Yeah. So if you were if you were gonna if you're gonna say it in English, you would say it's the norm by which we find all normal. That would be the scriptures. Then the Norma Normata, the norm by which we we understand. Um, would be the, the the confessions or the catechism. In other words, um, we took all of what we have found in Scripture and we have said, okay, we can make this statement, and here's how we can make this statement. Um, so so uh, essentially it comes back down to um, people like Melanchthon, people like Luther, uh, they, they, they made it their life study to go and study the Scriptures, which should be all of our lives. All of us should engage in that, but we don't. And they took all of those, all of the scriptures, and they 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 said, "Okay, I've read these. Thus says the Lord, and I can make this statement." And and now they have given you quick references, not all extensive references, but quick references to where you can find this statement uh, in scripture for you. Um, and, and it's also a really wonderful tool when when our kids are still learning how to find their way through the Bible, and so that we can quickly access. Um, Without having to take the time to say, okay, we're going to the book of Psalms, which is in the, around the middle of the Old Testament, and and they have to go back to the the front of the Bible to find out. We can just say, okay, open up your blue book. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Here is where read the verse. It's printed for you um, in your blue book. But, but I want to go a little bit beyond because um, we are going to talk. I think in the next coming weeks, we're going to talk more about. Um, the, the rites and the practices and, and the teaching of the catechism with the kids. Uh, we're going to talk about that in the next coming weeks. And, and I don't want to steal thunder from any of those uh, things. What I want to do um, is talk about the adults and, 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 and come back to sort of where the, the topic of today is, which is really a question that I asked myself, um, and, and that is, has the church lost its catechetical focus. In other words, has the has the church, and 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 maybe we can limit it to the Lutheran Church. Maybe we could expand it out a little bit. We we can have that as part of the conversation. But but has the church lost that focus on on this is an important document that that gives us the the bedrock of what it is we practice within the church, and, and do we need it? That's a that's a good question to ask because our people and myself included, we have a mentality of when we finish something, then we don't need it again. So we take a gun safety course. Why do I need the book anymore? Take a driver's ed course. Why do I need to learn about driving? Uh, this last week, I had to buy a used tire from a guy, and he was talking to me about how uh, he he was ranting about things, and of course, I had to sit there and take it because I was buying a used tire from him. But uh, he was ranting and raving about how he. Uh, had a handgun, but he never really knew how to use it properly until he took a, a hunter safety course, not a hunter safety course, a, a course at the police academy. He thought, I thought I knew everything I knew about handguns, and then I uh, took this course at the police academy, and I realized I, did, I knew nothing. Uh, so often in our view of the catechism, it follows all of the other things that we learn throughout our lives where we say, well, I, I've gone through the course. I know it. I don't need to go back to it. Uh, and that is, I think that's the first worldview problem. Why, why we've lost that focus is because we have, we adopted this, this idea that once we're done with it, we don't need it anymore. 
Well, and and I think the I think our Lord um, throughout the entirety of Scripture, he he says that is not the way you can live. Um, I mean, over and over and over, he tells the people of Israel, remember, 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 remember. I mean, almost to the point where you're like, how many times can they forget? Um, I mean, you would think that after a while they would just remember. Um, you to have you have uh, even even Jesus telling his disciples that he is going to send uh, the, the the one promised the Holy Spirit who will remind you of what I have taught you right um, that that there is a there is a, a definite need for the continual reminder of um, the very basic and the core of what it is we believe and hold dear. And that is not just something in the biblical sense. We do this as a society as well. Uh, we say the Pledge of Allegiance every day if you're in a public school system or, or you sing the, the, the uh, Star-Spangled Banner at the beginning of sporting events. We, we, do, we do this repetition all the time to help remind us uh, this is who we are as a, a nation of people. So why do we object to having a, a book where we say, let's go back to this book to remind us this is who we are as a Christian. This is what we believe as a Lutheran. Well, and and I think we do, and I'm glad that you brought it into the secular world because we do that with a document called the Constitution. You hear that in the conversations all over today. Well, I'm a constitutionalist, and this is a constant, and, and you know, back and forth. And it's like, okay, well, wait a second. If, if you're claiming the Constitution, one, you're claiming you've read it. Two, you're claiming that it's an important document and that it still holds sway, right? Well, if we are if we are a church that that holds itself to the confessions right which they used to have that on the on the back of of um, of lutheran churches uh, what was the anacronym um unaltered yeah uac uac unaltered so, augsburg confession i think you have it here at st john we and do in maribel we we do and they used to put that on the back of of churches so anybody who's looking for a lutheran church and they they saw that uac they're like haha i can go there because they're a catechetical church they're a church that holds itself not only to the confessions but to the catechism, and I can go there and I know it's going to be true to God's word. Um, there was a there was a certainty that that you can have there. We've stopped doing that, and and I and I think there is something to be said with that question: Have we stopped being a catechetical church? And 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 I I get this, and and I'm not. I hope I'm not opening up a can of worms, and I probably am. But you know, it, it's you know me. I like to 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 do such things. We. We have moved even in our Lutheran church bodies away from church names. Like like we, we don't want names like Trinity and 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 very few want names of 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 the, the actual disciples. Um, you know, they don't want theological um, doctrinal terms in 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 their worship services. They're trying to write out, um, you know, even the very term of justification. So many people are like, "Oh, I got to be afraid of that term." Or sanctification, or or um, vicarious atonement. That's another big one that no one. Knows. I have yet to see a church named vicarious atonement, but that would be awesome. But they, but that it would be. But but they, there are churches that used to be named atonement, but they don't. They change the name, and and and, and you know, and Lutheran churches are doing this. A lot, like they're changing their name to like New Life Lutheran Church, or you know things of this nature, where I, I think they're moving away from from their stance on understanding the beauty we have within being a part of a catechetical church and understanding what it is to be a catechetical church. I, I read a, a book a long time ago. It was called Raising the Bar, and it was a, it was essentially a book that was was written for 
our kids, raising the bar and, and expecting more out of our children. And if you expect more out of your children, within reason, they will rise to that bar, right? And the lower it is, the 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 high or the the lower our people are going to to strive, and I think that's the same thing within the church. Um, when we start saying, "Okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to reference the basic knowledge of what they should understand in in Scripture about the sacraments, or or or, or use the words like justification," not saying that they shouldn't be explained, but I'm not going to use them because they're too hard for our people. Or, or I'm not going to explain the concepts of, of, of the commandments and how they interact with my life and, and how uh, Luther explains them so beautifully that they, they go beyond just what we think we are reading um, and how they, they truly interact. Once we stop doing that within the church, I think we are, we're lowering that bar and, and we're saying, in a sense, this is an overgeneralization. I understand that. And I, I am known for painting with a very wide brush. Lots of colors. Lots of together. colors. But, but, but this is an overgeneralization. But I think what we are doing is we're saying, it's okay to just say, Jesus loves me, this I know, and that's all I want to know. Yeah, there is a, I, 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 just responding to that, I, I, can, I can see someone who is trying to reach out to his community and try to get people in and, and have the least amount of resistance to people coming into the church but at the same time, we have to understand if we're going to try to do something with least resistance, that we have to keep going. If we're going to try to reach people where they're at, we have to take them where we want them to go instead of just reaching people where they're at and leaving it at that. Uh, take them to where you want to go. Take it to something higher. Explain why we have the word evangelical in our church. Why do we have the word Lutheran in our church? It doesn't mean that we're following Luther. Uh, it's just that... Uh, that's the that's what our, our adversaries accuse us of being Lutherans, uh, followers of a of a person, and I guess we just adopted it because it meant something to us. It meant being a follower of Luther. It meant that we were someone who uh, uh, held on to the law and gospel, that held on to uh, the confessions that were written down. Well, I mean that that's almost in the same vein of how we became called Christians. Um, we used to be. I mean, you could go through the Book of Acts. We were called the the people of the way. Um, and, and that was because the Lord says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Um, and, and then all of a sudden, um, they were starting to be ridiculed by, by, uh, by secular people mocking us and saying, those are Christians because they followed Christ. And they're like, Hey, you know what? That's a really good name. And so we, we took it on as the badge of honor that, that yes, we are following Christ. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, Lutheran would be rolling over in his grave if he, if he knew that we were calling ourselves Lutheran. That was never his intent. His, his intent was not to have a church body denomination named after him. His intent was really clean up the Catholic church and, and, come back to gospel center, come back to scriptural truth right. and, and practice that. Um, and, and it didn't happen. We, we know that um, that's reformation history and, and maybe for a different podcast for a totally different time. But, but I think there is, there's, you know, what was one of the very first things that, that Luther did when, when, when finally he was brought up before the, the, the church uh, in Augsburg and, and they said, you can't do this, Right. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to recant. You're gonna have to get rid of it. Uh, um, um, which diet was that? Diet of worms. Diet of worms. Five hundred years ago. Yes. This uh, was it last week or the week before from the time of this podcast. There you go. And so the diet of worms, and you have the diet of worms where he where he said you have to here are all your books, here's all your writings, recant. And he says, 
Um, and, and very brief, he says, unless you can prove by scripture that I am wrong, I cannot recant. And just, um, yeah, just to clarify, we can have the name Lutheran. If we're starting to feel proud in the fact that we're following a person, then we need to drop the name Lutheran. But if we're following Lutheran because of his teaching, the things that he uh, brought us back to and brought us back to the scriptures, then that would be a good use of the term. Same thing with evangelical. Yeah, the word evangelical is a beautiful word. That's actually the word that Lutheran Luther himself wanted to be called because evangelical means gospel-centered, but its day and its use among our Lutheran churches is limited because, or might be limited just because evangelical has such, now that society looks at it and says, well, that means that you are actually fundamentalist, that you have four fundamental things that you believe in, and that's not what we look at when we say that we are evangelical. But this is getting way far astray from the topic at hand, which is the catechism, so if we're going to, and I was thinking about that, if we're going to drop the name evangelical, we might uh, someday, but uh, just because of the connotation. But what would, it be, what, would our, what would our teaching be like if we didn't have the catechism? Wouldn't, what would that look like in the church, and how, how much of a bad thing would that be if we did not have a catechism in our instruction of children and for our daily use? Well, and that is a really, really good question, actually. I wish I would have thought of that. I didn't think of that question. Um, but but here's, okay, so I was I was taught a little bit of, of seminary training from two different seminaries. I, I had a little bit of seminary training from the, the Missouri Synod uh, Lutheran Church, and also um, from, I graduated from and took the entire seminary course for the, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Church. And, and there is a fundamental difference between the two, and, and it is. And, and one of the differences between the two that is very, very glaring, and it was made apparent to me, is, is in the way that they approach homiletics, which is the, the, their art of preaching. Um, <clears throat> and in the Missouri Synod, it is, it is it's kind of the running gag. Uh, between when, the, when I got into the wells, I, I, heard, I heard the joke, and, and I, I had to admit that it, it's kind of true. Um, in, the, in the Wisconsin Synod, by and large, the joke goes, um, our Bibles are well-worn. The, the pastor's Bible is well-worn, and their Book of Concord is pristine. <laughs> and in the Missouri Synod, it is their Book of Concord is well-worn, and their Bibles are pristine. <laughs> and, and, okay, so, haha, funny, funny. Um, you know, th- there is a little bit of truth to that. Because when I, was in, when I was in the Missouri Synod, and I was in the seminary, and I was... And I was being trained in homiletics um, that first year that I was there. Um, one of the biggest things they said is you, you have a, a verse presented to you in the lectionary as you're, you're gathering your notes. The very first thing you do is go to the Book of Concord. Go to your catechism and look up if, if any part of that, the verse that you're going to be preaching on is found there. Go and you read it. What did the, what did the confession say? What did the catechism have to say about it? How was it applied? Um, and, and that's where you start. And, and, and then you go from there and you work out. And when I got into the, when I got into the wells, the, the homiletical approach was you preach the text and you don't preach doctrine. And that, that was kind of what, what, what Professor Tiefel said. Um, and I remember my very first sermon that I wrote for, for homiletics and he handed and he says, this is the exact thing you're not supposed to do <laughs> because I approached it. The, I approached it the way that I had always approached it, which was I went back to the catechism. I went back to the, to the book of Concord. I said, okay, this verse is, 
this is this found in here. This is what the confessions have said. I'm going to I'm going to start with this is my framework, and then I'm going to work out to how how did how did this framework uh, uh, come to being from the biblical text. Um, and and I'm please be reminded. Uh, Wells teaches doctrine. I'm not saying it doesn't, but they go about it by saying, okay, we start from the text, and then from the text we come and say, oh, and by the way, near the end of the sermon, we have a doctrine about this that that you know we state very clearly. But we start with the text instead of starting with the doctrine and then moving to the text. Um, so so I, I think the church would be vitally and fundamentally different if— if we didn't bring any of those up, because then we're sort of floundering, you know, scripture interprets scripture. And, and, you know, if we're, if we're approaching a text and we're saying, we're approaching anything and we're saying we're the first people to ever think about this and first people to ever do, to learn how to apply this or the first people to, to ever struggle with these issues, we are, we are becoming a, um, just a, a house out on our own. And, right, right, and we might think the Bible says something that it absolutely doesn't say because right. we, we've looked at it and said, well, I think it says this, but you're not uh, standing on the foundation of other Christians, well-meaning Christians, thoughtful Christians even, right? Uh, do we have any respect for those who have gone before us that maybe maybe they had a head on their shoulders, maybe there was a brain up there, maybe the Holy Spirit was working in their heart as they're reading through the scriptures, that maybe perhaps uh, they they knew something you didn't, uh, so that might be the first danger if we just drop any kind of catechism and just say, let's just preach the Bible, is uh, the idea of the, it's not moored in in uh, uh, in history, so to speak, or or compared to history. Maybe that would be a better way of saying it. Well, and, and I think it goes beyond, well, okay, so <clears throat> yes, the historical church is contained within in the catechism, and it's contained within the 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 confessions. Um, and I'm broadening it out a little bit. I know, and we're talking about the catechism specifically, but but I think there is there is a beauty in in the recognition that our children learn the same words of the catechism, maybe updated, techno- but the same concept as their parents and as their grandparents. So that um, the parents can teach their kids and say, "Oh yeah, I remember this." Right, and we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, and and I think there is a there is a beauty in that 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 unifies, um, and I think this is this comes back down to that that historical church, that that we are a body of believers. We are not one believer standing alone. We are a body. Um, throughout the entirety of the scriptures, God references. Uh, this is going to be contentious, I know too. God always God God never references a believer coming into the church on their own. Always references. A person being a part of the community, of of the church, he references the church. So 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 a person isn't just okay. You're a believer and you're out here doing. Oh, okay. You're always a, you're connected always to connected somebody. to somebody. Um, God never leaves us floundering alone. We are the body of Christ. Not you specifically. You are a part of that body. But but the Lord says you're a part. Of, you're a body. The body of Christ. Well, that means we're together with other people, working together, and and we're we're functioning and flowing and 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 doing. And when something hurts, the, the whole body hurts. And when it suffers, the whole body suffers. And when it's joyful, the whole body's joyful. Um, there's all these things that are are, are included in that. And I think the catechism is one of the great linkers to this. Um, you know, in the in in the pages of the catechism, we find the importance of baptism, and we understand baptism. So so let's start with that conversation. 
Um, you know, every time we have a, a baptism, we go back to the what does this mean of the catechism? Where is the power? The power lies in the Word of God linked with a physical element where God rips open uh, the heavens and, 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 and time and space and he comes and he links uh, us to his son there upon the cross and he links us to his resurrection by the Holy Spirit and the Spirit creates something in that child that is faith and, and their life is, is given back to them where once they were dead, now they are alive. Uh, and beautiful uh, connection to the catechism there as we are we once again get to share with each other in, in the baptismal rite um, what does this mean when we bring this child uh, and, and with simple water and word um, they are brought into this, this livelihood. And they, what does all the Bible say? And maybe we don't all know what the Bible says about uh, baptism. So it's a good reminder to have the catechism in front of us to, as a thought provoking, thinking it through. Oh, I, I didn't think about that, or, or uh, oh, I've forgotten that. I had learned that not so long ago. But now, in when in this real life situation where somebody's being baptized, we're being reminded what baptism in is. Then we are uh, we we look back on that and we say, oh, uh, th- this is such an awesome thing that's happening, and we think of the responsibility of to the baptized to say we have to continue teaching this child and bringing them up into this community that we've just brought them into. This is their entrance, but uh, as a community, we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna leave any of us behind. Um, you to use the marine term or the military absolutely. Term. But I and I think when we go through and when you go into your catechism, dear listener, if you have a catechism, take it off the take it off the shelf. Probably blow off the dust because you haven't opened it since you went through catechism class yourself. Look at the at, at what is said in baptism. It's Luther goes through and he just quotes scripture. I mean, even in the what is this, what is baptism? Power bat. Here's scripture. Here's what it says. Here's what the gospel says. Here's here's God's word saying what what baptism does for you. Believe it. Um, and, and what a reminder, I mean, I mean, how can you not say, oh, that's not true. This is God's word for you. Um, you know, the very fact that, that, that we then move from that and we, we, we have, um, opportunity as that child grows, right. To, to gather around and understand God's, God's law and not only God's law in its condemning force, but God's law and its encouragement as, uh, to the believer to to live a God a good and pleasing life as we are abled and encouraged and and, and equipped through this new life given back to us, um, you know you 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 go to the what does this mean and we see the depravity of which which sin has taken and stripped us of and yet how how we can go back to this and say as a Christian I I, I can live better than this not perfectly but I can because I'm engaged in this, and it's part of the catechism. Um, you know, to, to go and hear um, just the, the, the articles of the Apostles' Creed and to understand what does it mean that God is my Father? What does it mean that, that um, you know, that he preserves? What does it mean that he gives? Um, what is his role in all of this and his plan of salvation? Who is the Son um, so I'm learning about the Trinity. I'm learning about the facts that are given within the scriptures. Although the word Trinity is never found within the Bible, um, we, we see it played out in the catechism in, in beautiful array of, of how, how God presents himself to us in three persons, in one God. And, and this becomes the very bedrock, right, of our faith um, as our children grow in this. But, but most importantly, it's the bedrock of our faith as, as, as our adults come to worship. I mean, you have... In worship, regularly, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, Trinitarian creeds, what, does, what do they mean? What's the point? 
Regularly, we have a remembrance of baptism in the very beginning of our worship services. We begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We make the sign of the cross. Um, catechetical. That That is catechetical. That, 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 that is a reminder. It says, hey, stop. Before you go anywhere else, realize you get to be here in this building listening to these words, and they mean something because he's done something. And, and this is what he's done. Um, Another advantage of having a catechism at your focus rather than the whole Bible, uh, which was my you know, question, if we didn't have the catechism, what would that be like? Imagine yourself trying to be confronted. With, somebody talks about the Holy Spirit, and you go, I'm not sure that's what the Holy Spirit does. I'm not sure the Holy Spirit strikes me down and, and uh, gives me the ability to speak in all these different kinds of languages. What, what exactly does the Holy Spirit do, and, and what is his activity? And then you think of the third article of the Apostles' Creed and how he brings us to faith, and, and he calls and gathers and enlightens his whole uh, Christian church here on earth and he keeps it in the one true faith. Oh, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, would you have gotten that if you had the whole Bible at your disposal? Perhaps. But you have a nice, concise, thoughtful explanation at, at your fingertips because you memorized it at one point or in time, or you helped your kids memorize it, that you're ready so that when you hear something, you hear somebody on the radio or you see somebody on t- television or you're talking with your friends, and they, they start talking about the Holy Spirit, and you go, I don't think that's what the Holy Spirit does, or I don't think that's who Jesus is, or those kinds, or baptism would be probably the uh, big one too. Like, uh, where's the power in baptism? Oh, you Lutherans, you just believe that the holy water gets uh, is what saves. Water doesn't save. Water doesn't save. It's only the blood of Jesus that saves. And you would counter that with, oh, the the blessings and the power of baptism. It isn't just the water that saves, but the word used with the water and faith used in connection with that. So it's just uh, all those explanations of the uh, in, in in the catechism help you to defend your Christian faith when you're dealing with your neighbors or when you're dealing one on one with false doctrine. Well, and and that's let's let's pick up on that because your question was, you know, if you just had the Bible. And the answer is to the the answer is to the question that any true student of the Bible will come to the same conclusions that are found within the catechism. They just yep. will. Any true student of the scriptures will find that and will come to that conclusion because they're based off of the scriptures. Um, so, I mean, that's where they find their truth. But not, let me just say this, though, that that a person who is well-versed in their catechism throughout their life find reading the scriptures a joy because they understand it. Oh, yeah. And, that helps and, you navigate the scriptures. Yep. Yes. So, I mean, you look and, and you read and you're like, you say to yourself, I had a question from, from uh, uh, one of my members uh, beautiful, beautiful question, and and he says all of Scripture is Christ, uh, is centered on Christ. Yes, I struggle finding Christ in Leviticus because of all the regulations and all this and all that. And then and and I was able to say to him, I I was able to say to him, you look at the law, right? And he says, yeah. And I said, tell me about the law. Well, the law says I have to be perfect, right? I have to the law the the law and its its very first function is be perfect, right? You have to be perfect and shows me how I'm not. It's the function of the mirror. Um, now, you look at that, and, and I said, what does Leviticus show us? Wow, everything that, what it means to be perfect. Bingo. Welcome to the law. <laughs> That's, and, and, then, and, then, and then to be able to say who was perfect for us. Well, that was Christ. 
there it is. There it is. You know, um, and 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 it's just so beautiful how how you you look you go back to the catechism and you see what it means, the extent of what it means, and then then you see it played out in even in a simple book like Leviticus, where you see it played out. Where okay, so what's it mean to truly worship our Lord? What does it mean to truly put Him first? What does it mean to to dedicate a day, a time for for the worship? Well, here it is. Here's a worship practices of of God's people. This is what it means to do this work. Um, you see it play out. You know, go into go into the the the, the book of the Kings or or First and Second Samuel, and you think, oh, well, this is all history. Yes, it is all history, but it's also all history of God's plan of salvation, His preservation. It's history of 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 understanding what is is told in the Apostles' Creed. It's understanding of of seeing um, vivid vivid pictures of the commandments played out, right? Or I should say the breaking oh. of them played out. God's um, grace to people who broke the commandments. Yes, absolutely. Um, and also it's a very vivid picture of the working of the Holy Spirit, how he works uh, through means, um, even in the Old Testament as he, he, as he does these things. So, I mean, the, 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 the beauty of the catechism, um, giving the framework for us to approach the scriptures and understand the scriptures and open them and unlock them for us, I, I think is is a, is a huge thing. Now, okay, so for somebody who said they didn't have a lot to talk about, I, I think I think you've engaged in the conversation quite well. Um, the bear has been provoked. Will. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I want to say now is 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 something that now I'm, I'm what I'm going to say is <clears throat> we do not agree with this gentleman's hypothesis. Uh, we don't agree with his approach, but. It's out there, and we need to we need to maybe comment on it. There is a man by the name of Richard Hollerman, and he wrote an article, and I will um, I will attach it to our our podcast here notes, um, so that if you want to read his article, you can. Realize we do not agree with this article, um, but his entire article was entitled "Why I Left the Lutheran Church." Okay, yeah. and so and a lot of his arguments, I think, are used by people who do leave the Lutheran Church. Right, and a lot of his worldview is often shared by many people who do leave the the Lutheran Church. Right, and in one of his in one of his his discourses, because he has a bunch of them of all the reasons why he left, he mentions um, confirmation, catechism, and and he he mentions why he he left the Lutheran Church, and his big and one of his big gripes is is confirmation. And and um, catechetical instruction, and I'm going to read you a paragraph, just just one paragraph of of his his part, so that we can comment on it, um, because I think this is important that that people understand the truth of this. This is what he says: As I read the Bible, however, I could easily see that this procedure and practice lacked biblical authority. This is talking about confirmation. In the early body of Christ that was led by the apostles, there wasn't a formal training period to learn church practices and doctrines. <laughs> Sorry. There, there, surely, there surely was no public ceremony or ritual that would confer church membership on children of adult uh, or adults or church members after they completed a prescribed course of indoctrination. Instead, one would immediately become a member, in quotes, of Christ's body when he was born again or saved. All of this troubled me further as I learned more and more of God's word. 
It amazed me that others also had not seen this so elementary concern regarding Lutheran's teaching and practice. I became more convinced in my conscience as I learned more of these biblical facts. So I, I just want to, I, I, again, we do not, you could tell from the laughter, we do not agree with, with what he is saying. Um, it's, not my, it's not rooted in history. That's the problem. It's not rooted in history. It, it's not rooted in, in truth or fact. Um, I mean, we have um, Paul, before he entered active ministry, going out and being instructed. Uh, we have the disciples who spent three years. I don't know. What were they doing? Please remind me. What were what, what were, were they, they doing um, um, with Jesus for three years? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe it's an explanation. They only had two years yeah. of catechetical instruction, and the third year was just, oh, this is fun. Yeah. What was Jesus doing on some mountain, this mountain they call a Sermon on the Mount? I don't know. That know, wasn't was anything. Just, uh, that was just a bunch of fluffy words. Well, yeah. Feel good. He wasn't right? really doing anything. Thing. He wasn't teaching at all. He, there wasn't. Jesus doesn't form. teach. He, he just says, "You're in my body. Go. <laughs> Go. You're a sinner. You need me. That's it. Uh, there's no teaching about how to live your Christian life. And then also the history uh, behind uh, something called the Didache, uh, which is uh, a book from the first second century, which actually was the first recorded catechism uh, that the early I, Christian I, church. I, used. I disagree. Politely. Oh, okay. The first recorded catechism is Romans. Okay, very good, very good. I stand corrected. Romans, yeah, that was your that was your ace in the hole, wasn't it? You I'm were done. Receiving that one, you were like, mic drop. <laughs> that was the one where this uh, uh, Richard was thinking there was no formal education. You were just waiting for Romans. <laughs> Romans. You don't think that's formal? Uh, uh, someone who reads the Book of Romans and says, "I can't understand all this lawyer talk." Well, it's because it's Romans. It's teaching. It's. Uh, it's uh, it's you know, it's uh, uh, what would you say? Organized. It's organized. Putting the the uh, truths of scripture in a very organized way in the book of Romans. In fact, yeah, and and, the, and you know, go even a step further than this. You know, you had the Didache, which you you had the first century catechism, um, which which was for early church. Uh, go later on uh, throughout all of Christendom. You have uh, the gatherings of of the teachings. Um, you have the codification of the of, of the Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, Athanasian Creed, because they, there was the codification, and we, we got to teach this to people. Um, going further into <clears throat> uh, Reformation times, uh, one of the most beautiful, beautiful codifications, of course, the catechism, small and large, but also following in the footsteps of, of the catechism uh, instruction of Romans, you had Melanchthon who wrote the Loki Communis of 1521. Um, beautiful catechetical instruction for for pastors and parents <clears throat> to to teach their children and to teach other people of how to live in this wonderful grace and be a part of the church. Yeah, I think the the article from Rich, from Richard illustrates the point why why we need history, but not recognize, dear listener, we're not saying we're not putting up tradition and saying tradition is more important than what the scripture says or that it's on par with what the Scripture says. We're just saying that uh, what Will was saying before, we're part of one holy Christian church, which is united throughout time. Uh, these are individuals looking at the Scriptures. If there is a tradition that we go back to and say, uh, there isn't any basis for this tradition in Scripture, but we still do it anyway, we, we should acknowledge that. 
But the tradition that when we're talking about the catechism and the truths that are in the catechism, that's not in par with saying we have, uh, uh, for example, uh, um, sponsors and witnesses at baptism. Those aren't things that are found in Scripture. Those are traditions that we can uh, that we can uphold or not uh, have based on uh, the situation, the, the modern day circumstances. I I think what what we're trying to say is there's a difference between right. And uh, the rights of the church, and and the and <clears throat> the the, ba- the the very backbone of the church, and and one of the things that I the, the, the very thing that I I think I take the most aggravation on uh, in 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 Richard's article here is is his use of the word indoctrination. <clears throat> indoctrination automatically uh, assumes that what we are doing is we are trying to say to somebody. Um, you have to believe this because if you don't believe this, then you are uh, somehow less than or whatever. It, yeah, it has a huge negative connotation. But the, the fact of the matter is we are always being indoctrinated. Right. It, it doesn't matter. It's not the, the Christian church isn't the, doesn't have the monopoly on indoctrination. It's happening all the time. Right, and and doctrine in itself is not a bad word. Doctrine just means teaching. Mm-hmm. Any 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 student that goes to school is is really learning doctrine. It's learning a body of knowledge that has been passed down from generation to generation, and the knowledge grows. Um, and we do have that. And now, and and I mean, if you go back in time and you look at the catechism, the catechism used to be like a pamphlet with pictures. With very, I mean, with, 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 yes, here is the points of the category. It's grown into what we have here and, and in the wells. And I'm going to, this is my plug. So we, there's a beautiful new catechism that, that, that was, and it's not new in the fact that the words are new, but the way that they arranged it. It's Luther's catechism and you can get it in the NIV, the EHV or the ESV. And, and it's a blue book, um, right at MPH, uh, uh, net. And it is, it is, it is not just for kids. And that's the beautiful part about it. It is it is arranged and set up to be a daily devotional book. Um, it is one that is is for parents, fathers to sit down with their family on uh, every day and open it up and say, okay, here's the point that we're going to discuss. Here's the scripture that we're going to look at, uh, and then here's some background. Here's some here's some hymns um, that 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 teach in the church. Um, that we can join in and say this is beautiful as as we have together, um, and and i and i think this is this is the part that that links back to my my offense he says this is indoctrination of youth and it's not this is this is the teaching of youth for the gifts and then but it's not just for the kids it's the teaching of adults for the gifts the the gifts that god has given and and I, and i think when we when we say to ourselves i'm only going to preach the scriptures then we should be embracing the catechism and we should be embracing the confessions um and I'm not saying that those are our only go-to books. Right. I mean, yes, your catechism should be well-worn. I, I think it should. I, I do. Because what a what a wonderful, clear, concise thing of faith that God has allowed to enter into the church for us. Your Bible should be well-worn. I, I, humble, I humbly say your Bible should be... I've, I have had to... I just got the new EHV Bible. I don't know when it first was printed. What was that last year? 2017? Was that when it was? Uh, it was after that. I think 18? It was 19. I 19. Think. Okay, it was 2019. I've been using that as my everyday reader. I've had to glue it together four times already. Um, does that say something about its binding or of its use? I'm going to go with use. Um, but but it's okay. You know, this is this is 
it's good to have your Bible well-worn. It's good to write in your Bible, but it's also, it's good to have your catechism there too, right? It's good to to use that as a guide and to say, okay, how can I unlock the scriptures um, in, in a way that God has provided for me as I grow? It, and it's okay. And, and I know we've had this discussion when we talked about preaching. It's okay to be catechetical in your preaching. It, it's it's okay to to reference what what are are I, I have found I have found it in my own t- preaching before when I teach the catechism to our kids this is what I've said and I'll say it for the adults or ha, do you remember from your catechism X Y Z and and in in times in my sermon bringing up those concepts because they need to be reminded that this is a part of of the Christian life this is a part of us being together and linked together that what you learned is what your kids are learning and is what their kids are going to learn. And, and this, this makes us a part of this beautiful thing we call church um, and, and the body of Christ. That sounds like a good way to close off the show. So the guy who doesn't like to talk is going to close off the show or do we have some more time? Well, I mean, we have 12 minutes, 12 minutes. If you want to fill it with, with fluff and, and, (laughs) and good cheer. (laughs) Uh, when we're looking at the the catechetical life, I think it is a good for you to to recognize that it isn't just something that you've gone through uh, at a rite of passage. It's not something that you look at and then don't need to use again like a, a driver's ed manual. But this is something that helps guide you in life. It actually helps you understand uh, the truths of God's word. You certainly are go to God's word uh, and and use it as Will was saying. M- make sure your Bible is well worn. But also, you've got this great resource that you can use that helps un- help you understand what does the Bible teach about things. A good resource for you to, to defend the Christian faith when you're talking with others. It's a good resource for you to instruct yourself when you are in- engaging against uh, false doctrine. But it is also a-, a good resource for you to grow in your understanding of what the Bible says. And with that, uh, we invite you to join us as in the next couple of weeks, we are going to dive more in depth into the look at uh, practice of confirmation, the rite of confirmation. And uh, we'll share some stories about um, our previous confirmation classes. But until then, may God richly bless you as uh, you engage with this catechetical church. <laughs>